Today on Voices of Simsis, we're commemorating Professor Ken Taylor, who passed away in December 2019. Professor Taylor was the director of the Symbolic Systems Program for nine years, bringing a signature warmth, energy, and love for the major. In addition to directing the Symbolic Systems Program, Professor Taylor also taught philosophy and co-hosted the radio show Philosophy Talks. This interview with Professor Taylor was conducted by student Caroline Rickson in winter of 2019. Professor Taylor discusses the goals of the Symbolic Systems Program, the structure of the curriculum, and the major's influence on students' ways of thinking. Professor Taylor was instrumental to making Symbolic Systems what it is today. This episode is dedicated to his memory. So we'll start by going into your background and how that applies to census. So it's my understanding you have a very strong background in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this get you involved in symbolic systems and how does your background tie into the program? Oh, well, so how did philosophy get me involved in uh, symbolic systems? Because I'm interested in language and mind and cognition, so the areas of philosophy I've mostly worked on are philosophy of language, that's where I got started, and the philosophy of mind, and uh, now these days I'm thinking about a lot about what's called normativity. Okay. Okay, but I've always been, there's a bunch of different approaches to philosophy. One kind of approach is a priori conceptual analysis, right? You just sit in your armchair and you think and analyze concepts. Uh, that's a useful approach, but I'm what's called a naturalist. So I think that, well, the mind's part of nature. A language is part of what, something that a natural, a, na- a natural being does, because human beings are just animals. So the capacity for language is an animal capacity. Reasoning is some kind of animal capacity. So human beings are just animals, fancy animals. And once you start to think about all this stuff as, well... Human beings are special kind of animals. What kind of animals are we? What, where do these capacities come from? How are they resident in our brain? How did they evolve? That naturally leads you to think about it in sort of interdisciplinary terms because it's not just an a priori question. So one of the reasons I came to Stanford is because uh, there's a Center for the Study of Language and Information. I didn't really know about symbolic systems until after I came here. And then I discovered there was this cool major and I and I was on the program committee, and I taught courses, and you know one thing led to another. So my 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 the kind of philosophy I do kind of made me naturally inclined to be attracted to the symbolic systems. Cool. Kind of universe. Yeah. Are you happy you made that decision to kind of move in symbolic systems direction? Uh, I mean, I sort of all. I mean, I'm happy there was a symbolic systems program. Yeah. I'm happy to be part of it. Uh, I mean, I think the naturalism in philosophy is the is the best way to do philosophy so it's just kind of a natural match I wouldn't say I moved into I was always kind of naturalistically in it was just a position that kind yeah, of fit yeah. philosophy yeah cool so now I'm moving more into the major itself mm-hmm. what would you say the goal is for symbolic systems as a major uh, to de-silo knowledge to uh, have people whose minds are not so I think disciplines are cool. I think departments are cool. 
Uh, they take you really deep into things. They teach you techniques and methodologies that have been honed over decades and centuries, right? So philosophers have been doing philosophy for millennia. Psychologists have been doing psychology for centuries. Computer scientists have been doing computer science for decades, right? And they've developed a set of techniques and disciplinary interests, and those are all cool. But uh, there's something about, disciplines tend to exist in silos, the practitioners of a discipline talk mostly to each other. They don't talk across disciplines so much. And I think most of the hardest problems, most of the hardest intellectual problems, most of the hardest empirical problems, scientific problems, most of the hardest engineering problems, most of the hardest social problems, aren't, they don't belong in silos, right? So you need people whose minds don't necessarily restrict themselves to silos. And uh, you, need, you need the depth of a discipline but the cross-disciplinary de-siloing and symbolic systems is designed to, you know, to be an interdisciplinary major, which allows stu students to go deep because, you know, you choose a concentration, you have a, you have a core, then you choose a concentration mm -hmm. and that allows you to go deep. But because of the breadth of the core, it allows you to have a de-siloed mind, to have de-siloed competencies. And, you know, and for that reason, I actually think of uh, the old fashioned liberal arts education you know, the seven or whatever they were, liberal arts, you're supposed to some of this and some of that and some of this. I mean, I, I actually think of symbolic systems, a lot of people may think of it as a uh, pre-professional major because so many of our <laughs> students go into like software engineering or something like that. I actually think of it as the 21st, as a prototype, not the prototype, but a prototype of a 21st century liberal arts education because that's really what a liberal arts education was supposed to be about. De-siloed minds that could use all these different capacities, you know, I mean, math was a part of the original uh, liberal arts. The science was a part of the liberal, original liberal arts. So a liberal arts education was supposed to be about, you know, kind of the fundamental capacities of the mind and honing them and not just a narrow specialization. Well, if you would think, what would a liberal arts education look like for the mid to late 21st century? It would look like symbolic systems. Yeah. Right? That's what I think, anyway. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so you talked a little bit about the concentrations and how there are many of them. So there is like a listing of the various concentrations. I think there's ten. Ten. Yeah, but you can also do an individually designed concentration, and we're exploring <laughs> possibility of more concentrations. So since there are so many concentrations, how do the concentrations tie into one another? Do you see um, crossovers between them? Do you see them working together? Well, I see the core as kind of a common possession. Although you know, in the core, there are many different choice points, right? Because there are like eight different technical depth level two courses, right? And you could do, you want to do two of them. And which two you choose depends on what kind of concentration you want to have. So I, I, mainly I see the concentrations as different ways, different paths through, uh, through the whole major, right? And I mean, I think the, the, the totality of paths through the major kind of cross-cut each other in interesting ways, right? Because this, this path is going to have a lot of overlap with this path, but not all that much overlap with that path. And that kind of has to do with the nature of the beast because it really depends on kind of what you want to study, right? If you want to do, if you want to do study computation and the guts of computation and your concentration is going to be something like 
AI, right, or, 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 or uh, learning or something like that, or computer music. You have to require a lot of computer science courses. But you might want to study neuroscience or philosophical foundations. And that's less relevant, right? Now, all the computational stuff is relevant, but you don't have to do as much of it, right? So the question is, what do you want to do? What interdisciplinary, you want, what are, so there's a very individualizable major, right? One of the things I do hope to happen, this may be my last year as a director, and if it is, I'll be sad that I haven't accomplished one of my big goals. One of my big goals is to, our capstone experience, I think, isn't good. It's like, take one of these cognition and computation courses and a small seminar. Where do those things come from? Well, there are about eight or nine computation and cognition courses. And then the small seminars come from, well, will you let our students be in your small seminar? Will you let, it? Well, you know, uh, we have to kind of pick them, take what we get from the faculty out there. One of, one of the things I want is I want to replace that with a two-quarter sequence, a junior seminar and a senior seminar, project-based, interdisciplinary, populated only by symbolic system students from different, possibly from different concentrations. So you might have a small seminar that say the AI people and the natural language people and the learning people would find interesting. You might have another one that the, that the applied logic people and the decision-making and rationality people yeah. would find interesting. And they take two of these, one junior year, one senior year. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. Yes, we just need to get some alumni to give us some money. Uh, some rich <laughs> so we can like afford to buy faculty out because <laughs> right now no faculty owes me anything and no and uh, I don't have any claim on any faculty's time except what they volunteer and what their departments let them do but I want to be able to buy like 10, 10 faculty members out and say okay teach small seminars for symbolic system students because I feel like that would be a better way for everyone to get the summer experience, but it's also very simsis. Yes, it would be, and it would help. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to do over the last nine years is give uh, simsis students more of a sense of uh, joint community, especially since we made the core more flexible. So you may there may be simsis students that you never see, right? Because there's 200 of you and all this sort of stuff, right? And so uh, you, only course you all must take well, you must take 106. I'm in there right now. <laughs> yeah. Midterm today. Yeah, but that's not dominated by Simpsons students. Mm -hmm. And you got to take Simpsons 1. That's dominated by Simpsons students. But I want some smaller courses in which uh, all the Simpsons students with a common interest would likely to be to meet each other and work together and collaborate with each other. And I think that would just have a really cool function within our major. I think that would be really cool. Um... And kind of on that note, how would the Simpsons community and having a degree in symbolic systems change the way one thinks about their day-to-day -day life? So how would being a part of this community you speak of change the way you think? Well, I think, uh, I think it's really important because here's the thing about uh, Simpsons students. Look, I don't want to diss other majors, okay? But I think, uh, I say this and I really mean it. I think Simpsons students represent... I, I say to parents at graduation, the best that Stanford has to offer the world. And why is that? Because Simpsons students have to be multiply curious. They have to be willing to do different kinds of hard things, not just take hard 
CS courses and hard math courses, but hard philosophy courses, hard linguistic courses, hard psychology courses, right? Yeah. I mean, and, 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 uh, and not to shy away from any of it. And, and those are the kind of people that you need to de-silo knowledge, right? People who said, oh, I should learn some philosophy. I should learn it deep. I should learn some linguistics. I should learn some, some, uh, some advanced programming skills, right? And that's what subsistence are like. Now, bringing a bunch of people like that together and giving them a, a really amazing uh, major and helping them to build a community, yeah. that's a good thing, right? Really so, society needs more of that, you yeah. know? Um, and how, like, out after Stanford, how can you apply what you learn in SimSys to your career? Or to oh, your, my gosh. So know? I got to tell you about SimSys alums. Oh, They're an amazing do. group of people. Not only uh, do... These are the people that most people know about. You know, like the Mike Kriegers, who's the founder of... Inst- one of the fun- founders of Instagram, and, and the uh, Chris, Chris Cox, who's like the second in command at uh, uh, Facebook or third in or whatever he is and and uh, and uh, and uh, Reed Hoffman who founded LinkedIn oh, he was Simsys yeah he was he one just, of the early Simsys uh, he just spoke at our several women in business yeah event. and uh, Marissa Mayer who's a uh, uh, Meyer who's a uh, who's a uh, CEO of Yahoo and was an early Google person I mean everybody knows and Scott Forstall who headed the team at Apple that invented the uh, iPhone and the iPad and all that stuff. Uh, those are those are our most well-known alums, people like that. Right. And, and there's a steady roll call of people like that. But the you know, thing I'm actually proudest of about SimSys alums is that, for example, we have alums who hold PhDs and teach at universities around the world in 23 different fields. 23? Yeah, from like, we have three of them here. Uh, Nadim Hussein in philosophy, Mike uh, Mike Frank in psychology, and uh, and Michael Bernstein in uh, in computer science are all symbolic systems alums, wow. right? We have we have we have Tanya Lombroso who's a amazingly amazing young psychologist who was at Berkeley and now is at Princeton. The list just goes on. We have people who are in communications department, people who went on and got their MDs, people who are technical writers. Because look, the people who get a SIMSIS education. They get a hell of an education. And, uh, and if they're smart and creative and productive and determined, the world like will find a place for them. So Simpsons students go on and do all kinds of things. I mean, some, you know, they decide they don't want to do that. We have two, uh, two alums who are now uh, in New York trying to be stand-up comics. <laughs> hey, maybe they'll be successful. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that has contributed to their uh, funniness. You know. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, I mean, uh, so I mean, I I think we people used to think of Simpsons, uh as a. I mean, people have gone on to PhDs in neuroscience. Like I'm thinking of Clayton. There's all kinds of. There's all kind of. There's all kinds of. Uh, the world. Uh, the world soaks up Simpsons alums. I know two Simpsons alums uh, who are pursuing PhDs in philosophy at NYU, even as we speak. Oh, cool. And a third Simpsons alum who's just joined uh, the graduate program in philosophy here. So they go on and do all kinds of things, you know? And all sorts of different things. In different you know, all sorts of different ways. And they bring to it the wide-ranging background, a capacity for really hard work in lots of different fields, 
and a de-siloed mind, right? A mind that like soaks up different ways of thinking and ways of doing things, right? And again, they're not they're not dilettantes. They're really they 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 have interdisciplinary breadth, but also disciplinary depth, right? So they're not at all dilettantes. 